rescue mission. Uh, there I am. Uh, it was so encouraging. I think that was probably one of my favorite services here in the desert. Uh, it was kind of like the 25th anniversary service and that service were like the two probably high water marks in my mind. Uh, just to see what God was doing and hear from, you know, uh, the woman that shared from, from there was just so uh, moving. And it just kind of kicked us off in an amazing way. And then, you know, Fabian sharing. And uh, I feel like, you know, God uh, gives us those little moments that we can see a little bit bigger picture of who he is. And hopefully today is going to be like that, uh, that, you know, after we're uh, coming after um, Easter. And now, last week we were talking all about the resurrection of Christ. And hopefully you're still talking about that this week, right? We still believe that Jesus is risen just as much this week as last week, right? I know I found myself even this week in a tough situation, not sure if something was going to change and calling my attention back to, but I believe in a resurrected Christ, so anything is possible And that's really how God wants us to live our lives. Whatever challenge we have, we look to Christ and we recognize if he raised from the dead, God can do anything in this situation that I'm in. And so what I want you to do is, uh, since we all believe that Jesus is alive, even though not too many people said that when I asked you, but I'm sure that we all believe that Jesus is alive. So I want to have a little challenge for you and Jesus and the Spirit, okay? I believe that sometime between this service, from the time you walked in till the time you get in your car, that the Spirit of Christ has a message for you. It might have nothing to do with anything that I say. It might be you daydreaming on a point and then you come up with whatever the Lord, but... That's what it means for God to be alive. That we come to church and we expect to be different when we leave. We ex- Why else would you be here? Why else would we come? If God wasn't going to give us a message and we weren't going to, maybe, maybe he's also going to give you a message to give to somebody. You may be the answer, you know, to somebody's prayer, but it's good to just be reminded when we come to church. You know, last week I was reminded of that. There was a guy named Elias, Elias, who came up to me after the service and he found me. He made a point to find me and he's like, I know I needed to talk to you. And I was kind of like, okay, uh, what happened? And he brought us back. He came, to, he was here at our church here a number of months ago when we were doing a love feast. And we were able to, he took home some pizzas and we had a conversation and he was talking to me about wanting to be a security guard, et cetera. And, and he's like, and now I'm living at the rescue mission and I'm a security guard. And he was so proud. But it was like he had, if he hadn't come up to me and say, hey, I need to talk to you, I might have missed it. And he helped the sound people carry all the stuff out. I heard he was in the kids' kingdom helping them carry their stuff out. And I just think, man, I'm glad I didn't miss Elias today. And so hopefully you won't miss Elias in your life today or any day, but even as we're here, 
And uh, I'm excited to share with you a little bit of uh, news from around the world here. Uh, is that the first one? I think it is. Okay. Um, th- I'm, as we're getting prepared for our missions contribution and coming up in about four weeks, May 21st, um, you know, we're going to hear from the Tomes in a couple weeks in Riverside, but it is kind of one of those really special times in this part of the world that we get to help. You know, a lot, all the time we're supporting them and we're helping them, you know, pay the bills and do all the things that they need to do. And, and they have a plan to be, you know, self-supporting in the fish in the future, et cetera. But like now is a little bit special. It's a special time. You know, we were able to help them uh, a number of years ago build this church in Juba, South Sudan there. And you see it. It's, you know, it, it, they built it themselves. It's like, it's like this building. Brick on brick, they got there and they put it all up and, and it's, I don't know, maybe 20 by 30. Maybe it's the size of this space right here and from the stage to the, uh, the sound booth here. And so they were able to do that because of the gifts that were given and they, they're so excited about it. And now this church was able to send out a church planting to another place in South Sudan, this city called Awil. And so they went down there. Uh, Sammy, you can't really see him, but he's the Jordanian guy in the bottom middle and then his wife. And they were given uh, classes and they went down there and they studied the Bible with about 58 people. You know, during the, they were there for a couple of weeks. They're just spending time. This new church, you see their ch- you see their church building. They might need a build. You know, they might need a few bricks there uh, in the future, too. But they're, they're meeting in this little hut. There, we're going to see a picture of the inside here in a minute, I believe. Yeah, there's them in, in the church. And, uh, wow, it's packed. Packed out as they're starting the church. And um, I didn't totally connect to all this. You might have known this more than me. But, you know, they speak Arabic in South Sudan. They don't, you know, I didn't know. But so they're there and they're speaking Arabic and they're here. And we're going to hear see that in just a minute. But they, of all the people, they baptized three people on the couple weeks that they were there. And then uh, three weeks later, 28 more people got baptized from those people that they had met. And you just feel like God is opening the door and people who have probably been through some really intense lives. And now they're really wide open to the gospel. We heard that in Lebanon after the explosion and all the economic crisis that they're just like exploding over there and here's another uh, instance so it's just it's awesome to you know so be praying for them and be praying for God you know it's not all about us you know there's other countries out there that he's God is working in he's working here too amen but it's great that we get to be a part of this Um, and here's the Lebanon building it's kind of in 2021 and 2023, they got the roof on, and they're, they're kind of, it takes forever to build stuff over there. So I, I can't say they're coming into the final stretch, but they're a lot further to the, towards it. And this building is important to all of our missions over there in the about 20 countries that we help, because once this building is built, they, all those churches can be legal. They need, you need to have a physical church building to have it. And so 
that's, uh, you know, a little bit of our missions each year has been going to that. So they, and he sends me pictures. They're pouring the roof and they're, you know, pouring the sidewalls and they're doing all kinds of stuff uh, there. And then here's a, a teen in, in Cairo, Egypt, uh, getting baptized recently. You see kind of the, the before and after uh, picture there. She's super excited. And then, uh, I think this is the last picture, but in Dubai, our church in Dubai is about 200 people. It's the largest church in the Middle East for us. And, but all there's not one national that's a part of the church. There's no citizens of Dubai. It's all the people. They have a lot of uh, people that come in town to work, you know, in that part of the world to send money to their family, etc. So the church that we have is run in English. And, you know, you can be praying because there's, they don't really necessarily get along, right? So Arabic speakers won't come. Is kind of what we're learning, you know, as we go on. And, you know, that's just how it is a little bit. And so they've been trying to do something like this. They had the Bible study with about 20 or so Arabic speakers there. They've been praying for this for probably 25 years. And now they have a whole room full of Arabic speakers in Dubai that want to study the Bible. And you just see, like, this is answered the prayers. All those prayers that you've been praying that you just kind of throw out there and you hope that God does something with him, like he's doing it. And I hope that it helps you to feel a little bit, little bit of a part of it because God is doing amazing things with, with us. And um, now we're going to watch it. We're going to see a few. I, th- I don't know who, you know, I get, I, I get stories, and I, it's hard to keep track of what it is, you know, but here's some of the baptisms in South Sudan that we're going to kind of share in a couple of weeks, we're going to be able to play the video where the, he's asking them the questions before baptism in Arabic. You know, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he was risen from the dead? Yes, and I baptize you. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just really cool to hear. You, you know what they're saying, but it's just cool to hear it in a different language. So I'm going to, I'll, it's about a minute long, but we can kind of share in your brothers and sisters that were baptized. This was just March 20th. So it's just kind of, you know, real time. Uh, he just sends me videos on on my phone, so it's that's the extent of our our info. That's her husband, I believe. Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray for our churches over there. Uh, Father, uh, thank you so much for all the ways that you are, are moving around the world, that you're moving in these 
places, just, we know of just a few instances, God, but you're moving in so many other ways. Uh, thank you for our new uh, brothers and sister there that we got to witness. And just um, help us to think about that, God, and use our imaginations to just know that uh, they love you with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, that they believe in you, that they're committing their lives to you, God, that they're part of your family there. And God, I know even seeing uh, some of the pictures, it's humbling, Father. It's humbling to know that uh, they have so much passion and zeal for you, God, that they're meeting in a, a big straw hut. And just that you uh, are on their minds and hearts, God. I pray that you fill us with that same zeal, uh, God, that you humble us, God, that to know uh, that we have so much. And uh, help us to have that same kind of passion, even in a place where there's so many distractions. I pray you uh, bless the rest of our time. Uh, be with our churches over there. Be with all the amazing things. Be with everything going on in Dubai and Egypt and Lebanon and South Sudan and Uh, Iraq and everywhere else over there, God, that you will uh, help them to feel supported, to feel power of your spirit, uh, and really for us to uh, join in. God, we love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, the sermon today is called Waiting for Power. As we kind of shift gears, we see a little bit of God's power to the nations, and that's kind of what they were waiting for after the resurrection, they were waiting for this power to come from Jesus that was going to uh, propel them in their, their life for Christ. And uh, so we're going to talk about that uh, today. And um, we're going to continue on the same passage, the same chapter that we were in last week, Luke 24. So kind of an Easter part two, waiting for power. It says, while they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them. And said, peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, why are you frightened and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And you remember last last week as we talked about this road from Emmaus where they went away from Jerusalem, and he broke the bread, and then they, their eyes were opened. And he opened the, he, he told them all the scriptures that talked about himself, and it says their hearts were on fire, they ran back, and this is them getting back. And, you know, those are still the, the takeaways for us, that God wants our hearts to be on fire for him. That our zeal for the scriptures and for Christ, and even today as you take communion, to recognize and have our eyes be open to Jesus once again. And so he comes among them and they're, they're startled and he says, peace be with you. And to know that Christ came to bring peace. He came to settle us down. To help us to be calm. You know, we went to uh, a, a pond this week with the, the Barretos from Rancho, and we, we sat down next to it, and we started to pray, and you could just feel the peace come over us. It was like you're all stressed out driving, trying to get there, and then all of a sudden it's just calm. 
And to know that Christ wants to be that calm for you and for me. That he wants to bring us peace. And because we have the Spirit, we can connect to it. Because he's given us a spirit of love, joy, and peace. So when we connect, he gives us that option. We can push the peace button because we have the spirit that will fill us up. In the beginning of his ministry to the angels, that's what the angels said to the shepherds. Glory to God and peace on whom to whom his favor rests. That when God is with us and with you, you, he brings peace. You know, Simeon, when he went in to see the baby Jesus uh, presented at the temple, it said, Lord, you can now take your servant in peace. I'm good. I I saw the Messiah. I saw Jesus. I got peace. I can go now. My life has achieved the goal of getting to Jesus. And when we have Christ in our life, he gives us that peace and so many times we, we don't hold on to it, right? We're, we're crazy people. We run around from here and there and we're, we're scooting through and we can't talk to anybody because we're in such a hurry and we got to do this deadline and that deadline. And I think a lot of times God just wants to just come down and just say, hey, that doesn't matter as much as you think it does. Getting with me matters a lot more than that. Being late, but being at peace is probably a better option when it comes to Christ. Don't be late and tell your boss I said you should be. He says, why are you frightened and why do doubts come up in your hearts? That even there, they were, they were troubled, they were frightened, they were scared. That's there for us too, right? We're, we're troubled. We came in troubled. We're, we're scared. We're scared all the time, what people think about us and whether we're doing a good job and whether we're this and what, what does our spouse think and what do our kids think and what do our boss think. And we're, we're scared all the time. And yet, he, he doesn't rebuke them because they're, they're scared, because they have doubts. He said, look at my hands. Look at my feet. Look at me. Basically saying, look at me. When you look at me, you're not scared. You're not worried about all that stuff. I rose from the dead. I got the nails to prove it. And fear just kind of goes away when we think, when we focus on Christ. It's impossible to look at Christ and be afraid. He's got my back. He's got my front. He's got my future, my past. Why would I be afraid? I should say it seems impossible to be afraid or to doubt, but we still do. <laughs> we re- I relate to these guys. We need to continually to look to Christ to bring our doubts to him and our fears. Sometimes we don't want to talk about our doubts because we think we're the only ones that have them. Oh, surely my minister would never have doubts or my family group leader would never have doubts or surely that person's been a Christian for X amount of years. They would never struggle with this. No, we all are weak without Christ. We all struggle with doubts. 
He's saying to all of us, hey, look at my hands, look at my feet. Focus on me. Let's keep reading in verse 40. He says, when he said this, he showed them his hands and feet. While in their joy, in their joy, they were disbelieving and still wondering. He said to them, have you anything here to eat? He gave them a piece of broiled fish and he took it in their presence. Of all the ways to show them that you were real, to eat. He eats a piece of fish. You know, when Jesus does things, it's never just a a fish. It's never just a piece of bread. That fish probably stirred memories of Jesus did a lot of miracles around fish. Luke highlights when Peter was first called in chapter 5 that he did the miraculous catch of fish. When he came up and said, Lord, go away from me. I'm a sinful man. And then he said, I want, I'm going to call you to fish for men. And the, who could forget the five loaves and the two fish? The fed, the 5,000. You know, when you go back and look at Luke chapter 9, it's kind of a... I've been reading through Luke like over and over. And I, I would encourage you, if you're not sure what to read, to do that. And think about why did he, he write it all this way? And you go back and you read Luke chapter 9 and he feeds the 5,000. And then right afterwards, he tells them that he reveals that he's the Messiah. And then after that, he predicts his death and resurrection for the first time. And then he takes two of his guys up on three of his guys up on top of the mountain to be transfigured. So as I was reading that, it kind of hit me. That was like a mid-season finale. He did a miracle. He revealed his true identity. He talked about his death and resurrection, and then he kind of figuratively went to heaven on top of that mountain. That was genius. I was just like, man, that was just amazing. That was the spirit that put all that together, giving us a picture of this ending when he's going to be carried up to heaven, which we're going to read today. But hopefully when you read the Bible that you think a lot about why, why is this here? What, is this, what was the spirit trying to do? I don't know if all four of those things happen like in succession, like in one day, but... They were all put together like that so that we could see and experience his resurrection kind of in the middle of his ministry. I don't know if that does it for you, but that, that's exciting to think about how much more we can get out of the Bible when we start digging into it and start asking questions similar to that. Let's keep, uh, keep reading. He said, then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds. Last chapter, he opened their eyes. This chapter, he opens their minds. I think it's probably the same thing. To understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. 
So he's come to fulfill the prophets, and we've talked about that. He's come to open up their minds. They didn't have it all figured out yet. Sometimes we kind of feel like we got it all down. We know all there is to know. We know the whole entire thing. Well, that's a closed mind. We're still looking for God and we're still learning. That's an open mind. Hopefully that there's a lot of power in an open mind to God. There's a lot of power there that they saw because he opened. And, and they didn't open their own mind. It says that Jesus opened their minds. That's pretty, you got to think about that for a while. So you got to pray for God to open your mind. Because maybe you can't open it yourself. You need God to open it up if things don't connect. And then he says it again that the Messiah is going to suffer and rise on the third day. And you know what, what's, what prophet or what passage that came from? Anybody know? No prophet? That came from Jesus. That wasn't in the prophets. He added that one in. He told the story about Jonah. He was eaten by the whale, and then he was, you know, saved. And that was—he says that was him. That they wouldn't. How are we supposed to know that if he didn't say that? Jesus started prophesying his own death and resurrection on the third day. He didn't need the scriptures to do that because he—he he was the scriptures. And so that's so cool that he said, yeah, remember I told you this was going to happen. Remember that? I told you like three times. And here I am. Because my word is the word of God. <laughs> that, was, that must have blown their minds. And then he says, repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. If you, for the people that were reading this, they, they weren't living in Jerusalem. There was no temple anymore in Jerusalem. But he's reminding them, hey, that's what you're supposed to be doing. Not giving in to doubts and fear. You're supposed to be proclaiming forgiveness of sins to all nations. That ring a bell? It rang a bell for them, too. They just been through this war. There's a lot of confusion. Everybody's wondering, what are we supposed to be doing? And he's like, this is what you're supposed to do. Spread this. Love people. Proclaim forgiveness. That was good to be reminded. Maybe you came in here and you weren't sure what you were supposed to do. Now you know. Bring this, bring it out there to the nations. But we know this, right? We know this. This isn't new. He just continues. You were witnesses of this. Not just the people, the 11 or the however many were in the room with Jesus. Also us and the people that were reading this later. I am sending upon you what my father promised. So stay here in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. They were waiting witnesses. 
Anybody like wait? To wait? No. We're all waiting on something. We're all praying about something that hasn't happened yet that we really, really, really want to happen. We're waiting for Jesus to come back as they were. They see him go up and they think he's going to come down any time. But we're waiting on all kinds of things in our lives. We hate to wait. And yet, we're also experiencing power, but we're still waiting. Sometimes we have more power than others. Sometimes we get all excited and then the next day we're just, we got nothing. We're kind of in between this power and this waiting and this life of Christ. But that's kind of where we are in the story after the resurrection, that they're waiting for this power to come. And we're going to get there in a few weeks, a couple months actually, at Pentecost. But for us, we're still waiting. We're still waiting. But we have this power that God has given us. You know, I have a picture there of this. Of uh, Actually, that's St. John's right there. That's a picture of St. John's. And uh, I want to just share, I wanted to share with you just a little bit of our, our week there. Because sometimes, sometimes you feel like, you ever feel like you're waiting on God and he doesn't answer? Like you're like, okay, God, like I want to be excited, but I'm not. How many people feel that way? No, don't raise your hand. I'm just kidding. So because of this uh, master's program that I'm in, I'm, I'm kind of like putting myself out there a lot to try to look for God and for have the God speak to me and all that kind of stuff. So one of my assignments was to pray uh, around the church building here. Not, not literally, but like in the neighborhoods around the church building uh, so about a month ago, Jason and I, we got together, We, Danielle and Justine got together, we drove around, we started praying and just looking at all that around here. The simplest thing you will ever do, but wow, you never know what God will do. I didn't know so much about this area. I went the other day, talked to the tot stop owners next door, we talked for like two hours. They've been here for like 30-something years. They knew nothing about us. They knew nothing, hardly anything about the church here. And it was just like, wow, they're right there. Like, they, we use their parking lot. All it was just praying in the neighborhood, and it makes you look around. <laughs> You know, now they, they want to partner with us on our Harvest Festival. We want to kind of do it together one day there and one day here and use some of their stuff. And then, you know, so it's amazing what happens. You know, I, you know, amazing people, uh, by the way. But um, where was I going with all this? You know, I, there, I rec- there's so many. Um, I ended up the second place. Or the first one of the places that Jason and I went, we ended up going to the Washington Street Apartments, and my friend is here there from there today. And we, you know, right across the street with the weird chimneys, that's that's it, right? When you look over, you see the weird chimneys. That's the place. Uh, that's how I always had thought about it. I knew that it was redone a few years ago, and there's it's a home for elderly people, maybe retired people, and disabled people. And I was 
as we drove in there, I was so convicted, thinking, man, it's the closest thing to us, and I don't even know it's there. Right? It's not, it's not on the radar. You know, just from, like, we prayed for, like, maybe 45 minutes, and we find this place that we never knew existed, you know, met some friends over there, and and now in a couple weeks, um, what we're going to, they invited us. They were, the, the woman Juanita over there was super inviting, and she was like, you got to come. Nobody does anything over here. There's nothing. Everybody always wants people to come. And so in two weeks from today, after church, I, I want to get a, a small group, so only, I want only maybe 10 people, 15 people, to have a potluck over there after church. So we'll bring all the food here. After church is over, we're just going to go over there and they're gracious enough to host us and we'll, we'll just kind of hang out and, and just see God and see our neighbor, be, be good neighbors, you know, and I'm sure they'll be good neighbors, uh, you know, back to us. But where, where am I going with this? God is there, but we're not available for him. And that's why we don't see him. That's why we don't see him. Anything you decide to do for God, he will show up. He always does. We had midweek over here, small group. We took five minutes, read a scripture about the spirit, and we prayed. And it was probably the best midweek we've ever had. People were coming back to Christ. People were sharing about the, the, the Spirit answering prayers just that day. I mean, it was like, I was like, wow. You just got to look for God. And he shows up. And he does that every time we get together. You know, I'm trying not to go off on a soapbox right now. You know, if I wasn't a minister, I would still come to church every week. And I would still come to midweek every week. Why? Because God shows up. I guarantee you, as great as that podcast is, it's nothing compared to last week. It, it, it doesn't compare when we're all together. As awesome as that teaching is, with, where two or three are together, God is there. Maybe if you're on vacation and you have everybody there and you do... I'm not saying that. I'm not going crazy. And I appreciate you guys that are here. And you, you know why you're here? Because God showed up for you so many times that you keep coming back. Why would you not? Why would I not? Am I going to get more spiritual food for any other two hours of my week? No. I've showed up to church cranky, tired, upset, ticked off, sick, whatever, and I always leave ten times better than I came in. Today I was actually excited to come, so who knows, maybe I'll be flying out of here. 
So this may be what the Spirit's trying to tell you. What can I do to force the Spirit to meet me somewhere? Just prayer. It doesn't even have to be an action that you're doing. Just pray around your neighborhood or around the church building. That'd be cool to have everybody praying around the church. Just drive. I didn't even want to walk. We were too lazy to walk. We drove. It doesn't matter. Give God a little room to surprise you. And he will every time. Amen. Off the soapbox. Let's get back to the thing here. All right, Luke 24. We're closing it down here. You guys good? What does Jason say? How are we doing? How are we doing out there? Everybody good? All right, good. I love it. I love it. Okay, here we go. Okay, then, then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple blessing God. I never heard that version where it's, I always heard of it praising God, but it says that they were, they were blessing God. I don't know how you bless the one who has everything, but may, somehow they were blessing God. They were, he was blessing them on the way up and, and they were blessing him afterwards. But Jesus came to give us great joy. Throughout the book of Luke, it's even when uh, Elizabeth meets Mary when she's pregnant, she says that the baby jumped in for joy inside of her. You know, that he came to bring great joy to us. And if you could just imagine what it felt like to watch him, like, go up. And then the angels were like, hey, why are you looking up there? He's going to come back down. Don't worry. I mean, that's so crazy. But they continually live praising God. You know, we don't have a temple to go to, but we continually live praising God in our lives. You know, I hope you feel that. I hope you feel that God is working in your heart. That he's opening you up to what he's doing. That you're getting more, that that, that fire is not just something that you read on a page. I feel that. Some of it is just that I've been forced to go out and do stuff, so I'm seeing God and I'm feeling that. And the whole thing about going into the neighborhood, really, it had nothing to do with the neighborhood. It had to do with the people in the neighborhood. And it really didn't have anything to do with all the people in the neighborhood. It had to do with the people of peace in the neighborhood that talked to us, like my friend here, that spent time, that opened up their lives, that talked about what, what's going on. Isn't that what they were reminded of? When Jesus sent them out two by two, he said, look for the the worthy people, look for those that invite you in, the welcome, the hospitable people. Those are the ones you're, it's not about the town, it's not about the, it's about those people. Because those are the ones that God's putting in our path. 
And I pray that as you uh, leave, that you are filled with that same, that you are witnesses of Jesus. Let's pray and we'll take our communion. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you that you still surprise us. Father, I pray that you open up our hearts to you, that you, uh, as it says in this passage, you open up our minds that we can understand you better, that we can know you better. God, thank you for all the ways that you're around us. And um, thank you for your son, God, that as we break bread, that we can remember his sacrifice and we can remember uh, his death and remember that he predicted that and then remember him, his resurrection and him going up to heaven, God, that we can put ourselves there watching him go up to you and knowing that he's going to come back down to us someday, God. Uh, We love you. We thank you for his body and his blood that was given for us. In his name we pray. Amen.